Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Orangecast Community Church. Uh, my name is Josh De La Rosa, and thanks for worshiping with us today. Uh, this is actually our 10th weekend doing services online. And so before we get into this message, I thought just share a few thoughts related to our uh, current situation. I'm, I'm again in my house uh, preaching this message, and this is welcome to my kitchen. This is where we eat most of our meals. Uh, back behind me is our living room, and, and uh, sometimes when I'm preaching, like my dog will start snoring, and so then I'll have to stop the camera and, and restart, or sometimes planes will be flying overhead, and, and at just the perfect time, not to cut and start over, or, or try to you know, piece it together. Sometimes there's a ring of the doorbell and there's a package delivery. And so for us, you know, life is just sort of rolling on, except now uh, our office, you know, this is basically uh, where everything is happening for us. And so we're still not meeting in person. And, and again, it's 10 weeks. And I, I'm personally just really eager to get back to that. I'm eager to uh, see people in an in-person worship service. I'd love to meet those of you who are tuning in online uh, we're definitely hearing stories about people that are checking out our church through the online platform. We're grateful for that, but but we'd love to meet you. And I just would love to also just see, you know, I'd like to uh, get some coffee in the morning with, with some friends and, at church. And, you know, there's just things that I'm really missing right now. I'd love to see people. I'd love to have, you know, people over and, and just hang out with people. And so, as you probably know, here in California, we're there's a four-stage uh, reopening, and we're in stage two currently. And we've been told that churches are part of stage three, and so we we sort of have no idea when that's going to be. Uh, there, it sounds like there's an indefinite timeline. We're only hearing that it's months, not weeks away. And so, and honestly, that that truly could change. I'm praying that it would. I hope you're praying that it would as well. But something I know, as I've been talking to a number of people in our church, and just you know, learning about where people are at and hearing more about where people are at is that people in our church are all across the spectrum. Some people, I'd say a large group of people, are really ready to reopen soon. Uh, as soon as we're given the green light, uh, we lease from the city of Riverside, and so we're really, in many ways, at the uh, just waiting for uh, them to let us know when we can be back in our normal building. Um, but some people in our church are actually fine with a slower reopening plan. There's some that, due to their own personal health concerns or just the concerns of others, there are these unknown factors still regarding coronavirus. And so uh, some people are, are not in a big hurry. Um, also, some are just battling fear and worry and frustration right now for a variety of reasons. So I, I just wanted to take a moment to let all of you know that, that we, your pastoral staff, we're available to chat, to pray, uh, to help you navigate through this time. And, you know, we, we want to point you to God's Word. We want to help you wrestle through, um, how do I apply God's Word to my life? If you're, if you're, if you're wrestling right, right now, which I know many of you are, and, and honestly, I, as I'm wrestling right now, I, I dig into God's Word. I have to dig into God's Word. I, I, I want to know, God, what do you have to say? about what we're facing right now. And God speaks to me through God, through His Word. And He'll speak to you if you get into the Word. And so, uh, also I just realized, people in our church are going to land in different places when it comes to all these different issues. And so, what I'm aiming to do is I'm aiming to protect the unity of our church. We want to make sure that since we have, you know, we're a, we're a group of people of different ages and stages and backgrounds and different opinions and concerns, you know, God actually mixes all that together and unites a group of people 
We've been a very united group of people who have a common purpose that is much greater than any of us could live for on our own. And so I want to take a moment and just pray as we get started. And I'm praying, know that I am praying uh, for you uh, because I know that I'm praying that you would be seeking God right now because I know that right now there's just a roller coaster that we're often riding. God's word can steady you right now. Uh, sometimes with the news, it's sort of like if all we do is take in the news, it's sort of like sort of like getting to the theme park and hopping on a roller coaster at the end of the night, and then the ride operator says, "Hey, you can stay on the roller coaster. There's no one in line." And, and some people are just, uh, you know, the news can be consuming. And so I, I want to really caution you and encourage you uh, that God's word can steady you right now. And so Jesus actually said this in Matthew seven, verse twenty-four through twenty-five. Take a look. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And so God's word, this is our guide. It's our foundation. So please don't get swept away only in the news and the media and social media and neglect God's word, which stabilizes our lives in times just like this. And so let's pray as we uh, launch in. Father, I just thank you so much for uh, an opportunity to turn our hearts and our attentions to your word. And I pray that you'd speak to us through it right now. And I pray that you would uh, you would highlight things that you want us to act on. You'd comfort and settle down our hearts in, in the areas that we feel like things are just racing and and, and turbulent. Would you steady us? Would you stabilize us, Lord? We want to stand uh, on the solid rock of your truth. And so please help us and guide our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we launched into this uh, series of messages called Bless This Home. And we're looking at Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's known as Jesus' greatest of all sermons. For him, this was a large crowd of people gathering, leaning in, wanting to hear what he had to say. And he's laying out in the section that we're looking at, it's called the Beatitudes. He's laying out some attitudes that bring blessing. And he wasn't specifically narrowing his focus to the home. He was really talking in, in more general how, if you'll apply these things, it blesses your life. But we're, we're saying, how, how would this look to apply these in our homes? Uh, his sermon, it paints the picture of the type of life uh, that we should pursue. And he says that if we pursue these things, it brings sort of a sweetness he calls it blessing. Blessed are, and he, he launches into with this phrase, blessed are, and he, he describes attitude after attitude uh, that brings favor and blessing and good. That's in store for those who live like kingdom citizens. Jesus is describing the ingredients that you can stir into life that really bring about God's kingdom in our lives. Now, sometimes as we look at these verses, uh, we we see we look at the verses and then we see our reality and we can sort of see a difference. We see like the ideal of what God's saying and then the real and we can we're tempted to get discouraged and not even bother looking any further at His Word. Uh, it's, it's it's sort of like when you're trying to cook. Right now, a lot of people are trying new recipes and and people are you know, got extra time so they're trying to do th- to do different things and sort of like you know you got the ideal recipe, you see a picture of it, you start trying to work it out, blending everything together, and then you go to the oven, you open it up, and you start finding some strange things have been created. Here's a few pictures. Like, this was supposed to be a, a turkey, and that was a major 
turkey cooking fail. I wouldn't touch it. You shouldn't eat something like that. Or, or a lot of people are into bread making. With bread making, you sort of work on it all day, and you, you tend to the bread like a newborn, and you you uh, go to the oven, and, and you hope to see that it turns out. And sometimes, you know, like this person was trying to make smiley face dinner rolls. And uh, this, to me, sort of looks like the scene from a scary movie. Uh, so, or, or who doesn't love a, a deviled egg for lunch with some ham? You know, here's some... Uh, there's the ideal and there's the real. You might be wondering if it's... I, I probably wouldn't eat those sick chickens. They look they look sick. Now, you could you could have a laugh today just sort of searching cooking fails on your own. But, but with cooking, that's how it is. There's the ideal and then there's the real. And it's similar in Jesus' sermon. Jesus shows us the ideal for a Christ follower. But it's easy to get discouraged by the real. But God, he wants to help us move towards the ideal, even though we're not going to be perfect here and now, as we take these attitudes and turn them into action, these do bring God's blessing into our homes. They benefit our roommates, they benefit our family, even our neighbors around us. And so let's take a look at some of these ingredients for a good life. The first is, I want to just review uh, the last week. He, He basically said in the first four, blessed are the poor in spirit. We looked at these last week. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You could check out last uh, Sunday's message on our website. But here we'll expand on seeing these attitudes that bless our home. Uh, verses 7 through 9 is what we're going to look at. Now, Jesus is he's teaching from a mountainside, and there's a crowd of people listening in. Uh, many people, the multitudes, I would say, were undecided. They were curious. Uh, they were intrigued. They wanted to hear more, but they, they were they were undecided. And then the disciples, there were people that were actually followers of Jesus that were amongst this sermon. They were probably much closer to Jesus and, and uh, he was teaching them. They were uh, leaning in very close. And also you had a group of religious leaders that were there and these were self-righteous people. They were uh, trying to actually trap Jesus or catch him in anything that would be a violation to the Jewish law. And so group of people around him, and here's what Jesus taught. Verse 7, 8, and 9. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So first we can find blessing as we're merciful. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. For the, for the most part, when Jesus taught and lived uh, most people weren't characterized by mercy, uh, and especially the Jewish religious leaders. They they were more inclined to uh, to look down on others. Uh, if you're a person who's self righteous or proud or judgmental, then then you're not going to be very merciful. You're just going to look down on people, and you're not going to give them another glance. You're not going to step in and help. And so this is really relevant. It was relevant then. It's relevant now. But at the core of the mercy that Jesus is talking about here is something that we would describe as kindness and compassion. It's when we show that to other people. Uh, Whenever we're kind and compassionate to our spouse or to our kids, we're actually able to connect with them in a very real way. I don't know if you struggle with being harsh or critical. I know this can be a struggle for me. I found that, you know, being critical and looking down on someone is one of the quickest ways to just shut someone down 
or to or or to just shut them out if I'm critical to them. Uh, being harsh and critical is sort of like a force field. It just keeps people uh, from getting close to us. And so whenever we're critical, we can get so focused and fixated on the wrong that 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 wrong is all that I can see. On the other hand, if I'm merciful and I if I'm if I'm extending grace to people, all sorts of things happen in my life. Practically, to be merciful, it means I start asking, what does my, what does my roommate need? What does my spouse need? What does my, what does my, what does my son or daughter need right now? Uh, that's mercy. It's just getting very specific and thinking, how can I help them? How can I give of my time and my resources and, and even just my attention uh, to those around me? And how can I do that freely? Um, as parents, you, know, you listen to your kids. When they're sharing something with you, uh, it's tempting to just sort of say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And if you're distracted, it's easy to just sort of get into a sort of repeat and not really engage and listen. Uh, I have sons, and I have two sons and a daughter, and if my sons are sharing like a video game with me or a song or a movie, uh, it's, I, actually, I, have to, I have to get on their level. I have to actually engage and I have to give it a shot. And... It, it just, it, it is a, it's a focused effort. And sometimes I fail at that, and sometimes I do well at that. Um, but this is a part of showing mercy. It's part of showing compassion, is getting on people's level. And the promise that Jesus is describing is, for those who do this, they shall receive mercy. It's sort of like a boomerang. As you're merciful, it comes back around, you experience mercy. But it's not just that it's coming from nowhere. Actually, God is, is, being merciful to us, and he brings things back around to us. It often comes through people, through circumstances. Like right now, in this season of sheltering in place, how many of you would say you've experienced mercy from others? Meaning, someone has picked up the phone and called you. Someone has prayed for you. Uh, someone's reached out to you. Someone has written you a card or a, you know, a note or brought you a meal. Uh, like even, even today, uh, someone offered to bring a meal. And... And that was really helpful because, um, you know, now that this all happens at home, it, it just adds an extra level of stress and pressure. And and that was a blessing. And one of my sons said, wow, how how helpful that Emil would come on a night when we were, you know, when you're going to be shooting a video. Because then, you know, it just takes the pressure off of, of a handful of things in family life. And so... But I'm sure in many ways you can identify ways that God has been merciful to you. And, and you know, he says, when you show mercy, he, he, um, he brings that back into our lives. So that's the first. The second attitude that Jesus addresses uh, here that we're looking at is in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now this beatitude is about our relationship with God. And how, how we are... Uh, uh, before him, uh, your heart itself, you know, saying pure in heart, the heart itself is more than just an organ. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the core of who you are. It's talking about the decision-making core, your guidance system. And so, take a look at some of these verses regarding the heart. From from first from Proverbs four twenty three, keep your heart with all vigilance, meaning guard it carefully, for from it flow the springs of life. All the issues of life. Flow out of the heart. So you've got to guard it. You want to be careful. You don't just let anything in your heart 
But Jeremiah 17, 9 lets us know that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So there's problems with our heart. Our heart is vulnerable. It is susceptible to problems. There's things, there's, there's some of the, you know, some, there's good in there, but there's bad in the heart. Matthew 15, 19, Jesus expands on this idea. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. What Jesus is saying is, we can't detach our actions, like, oh, I just did, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why, I don't know why I crossed that line. Well, that's because uh, that was, that was in the heart. There's some desires in our heart that are off. Matthew 12, verse 34, the second part of it, reads, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that means is every time we open our mouth, we're dipping down into our heart. It's like our tongue is dipping into our heart, and out come our words. So when we say things, we can't just say, Oh, I don't, I, I, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that. I, I never would have well, said that, or, or I never, you know, I don't know where that came from. Well, it came from the heart Jesus is describing. So the heart is the core to life change. You don't get life change without heart change. And so, blessed are the pure in heart. This is about getting clean before God. Matthew 5, 8. For those who do that, it says, they shall see God. Now, if you're, ta- if you're trying to focus on two different things at the same time, your vision is blurry towards one of those things. You don't see clearly. So if, I, if I'm looking at something close and something further away, I, there's a blurry, you know, something is blurry. I'm focused somewhere, something else is a little off. And so the same is true with our attention and our focus towards God. If, if I've got something that is vying for my attention, and if it's a sinful pattern, if it's a critical attitude, if it's grumbling, then I begin to lose sight of what's God's best. I no longer have a real clear focus on God's, uh, on what God would want. And doing what's right before him because I'm, I'm off track. I'm distracted. I'm divided in my attention. And so purity of heart is very, very important. That I would keep my heart clean before God. That I would get honest often, regularly before God. That I would just say, God, I need to come before you and I need to show you the things in my life that are off. That I wouldn't play games with you. You know, we all, in life, we all have mixed motives. Meaning, we do things there's things that we do to just get our own way in life. And with God, we need to admit when we have motives that are off, we need to continue to just turn to him for forgiveness and cleansing for our sin. The good news is his shed blood, it cleanses us. Just like hydrogen peroxide can cleanse stains off of clothes, the work of Christ Jesus on the cross is what cleanses our sin. And so Jesus made it possible for you and I to experience his forgiveness And so, on the cross, uh, he suffered and died. He offers us his forgiveness. And whenever we admit it, whenever we sin against God, we can just say, God, I admit it. I blew it. I sinned against you. Would you forgive me of that? And practically, uh, if you want to take, if you want to see things clearly, then try taking this step towards confession. So he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's things that I can't see clearly if I'm not regularly confessing my sin. So whenever we do, whenever we sin, just bring it to God. Confess it. Ask Him for His forgiveness. So, for example, right now, if you're struggling in any area, just admit it. Admit it to God. Admit the struggle. Admit the desires. Admit the motives that are off. And bring it to God. When you think, you know... I don't know if, if I can really change this thing. Just be honest with God. He, he can take it. 
We don't need to pretend with God. We can, we can just be honest and find greater clarity when we take our sins seriously and just ask God for forgiveness whenever we have sinned against Him. And when we do that, whenever we're pure in heart, through that confession and just asking God for His forgiveness and receiving His forgiveness, when we walk through that process, what Jesus promises is then we will see God. Meaning the clarity of getting into God's Word and seeing uh, seeing what His guidance has to say, that that clarity comes as we're pure in heart, as we're confessed. Uh, even being able to connect and see His work in our lives or seeing even the next steps we should be taking in life or seeing a decision clearly, all of these things are very much tied to us being pure in heart. And so what a blessing. Now the next attitude that brings blessing is being peacemakers. Uh, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now this has to do, again, with other people. Whereas pure in heart had to do with my relationship with God, being a peacemaker has to do with our relationships. Uh, we all want peace in our relationships. I, I don't know if... I'm sure we've all walked into a room where there was an argument. People are fighting, there's argument going on, and it, it can be one of the most awkward experiences when you know, uh-oh, I'm, I've just stepped into a conflict. And so whenever that is a, is the atmosphere of your home, that's not a place where anyone wants to be. And so whenever conflict exists, cynicism also is there. And so we can just tend to see the worst in people. We can expect the worst, which often just leads to more fighting, more conflict. Now Jesus, one of his names is, he's the Prince of Peace. And so... He came to tear down hostility. His sacrifice on the cross has made a way for us to be reconciled uh, with God and, and even with each other. This is why the promise is here is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So as we work in our homes to help people experience peace, both with God and with one another, then God is pleased as a father who is proud of his kids. We can be peacemakers. Practically, what does that look like? I think a few. I think of a few uh, specific areas. Number one, if you're if you're a parent, or or if you have roommates, if if you pray for and point the people in your home towards becoming Christ followers, you can be a peacemaker. You're introducing people to peace with God. You're trying to help them uh, establish a relationship with Jesus, and so. Uh, helping people make sense of the good news. Uh, helping explain what what the Bible says it means to be a Christian. That's one way that you can be a peacemaker. Um, also, just aiming to, uh, cr- to uh, create peace or even help people clear up offenses when things are going wrong. Uh, you know, e- even personally, just keeping things clear. The opposite of being a peacemaker is to get offended. It's to really harbor bitterness, and bitterness in the heart is sort of like a root that the Bible says will spread and start defiling other people. It'll defile us, it'll defile others. And so just working hard at peace in our homes is really important. Uh, practically, you know, you and I, we can constantly be working towards thinking the best of others. When, when someone does something that bothers you, just... Being slow to speak, slow to react, not assuming that they're doing that on purpose, instead thinking the best of them. You know, or if you feel like you've been wronged, uh, talking to the person 
uh, when you've had a chance to maybe settle down and think it through and, and working to just clear that up. When your kids are in conflict uh, and you see them actually making it right, I mean, that's huge. Make a big deal. If you see your kids learning how to clear up relationships, throw a party. I mean, that, if, if peace pleases God, then peace should really please us. I, I, a few years ago, my wife, she came up with a, uh, a chart called a, uh, a, a peacemaker chart. And it was really something that, uh, has been really helpful in our home. And so I've asked her to just share briefly about why she did that and what were some of the results of, of, uh, teaching our kids how to use this peacemaker chart. So this is my wife, Erica, and I've asked her to just share why she put together this peacemaker chart. Well, I put together the peacemaker chart because our children were fighting. <laughs> um, I really saw the need to teach our kids to be peacemakers. So I started by defining what a peacemaker looks like. Uh, and I did this through using the Bible. And uh, I saw that there were really a set of skills and character qualities that um, the Bible defined as peacemaking behavior and these character qualities really reflect the heart of God and so I wanted to teach them to imitate God in their relationships. So what, uh, maybe you explain and we're going to share the document with all of you if you'd like to see it if you are wondering what it looks like, it'll be up here on the screen, but um, how does it work, what is it? Well, it's a, a I call it the peacemaking behavior chart, and it has a list of peacemaking behaviors on one side, and then it has on the other side a list of behaviors that start conflict. And so I would give them the chart, and they would look at it, and they would see what behaviors they were doing that were causing conflict. And then they would um, look at the behaviors that they could have chosen to bring peace uh, Behaviors um, that I included were serving versus demanding or listening versus defending or asking questions versus assuming. And really, I used it as a visual aid to help them assess their contribution to the conflict. And so, and I've, I've walked in and I've seen them actually holding this sheet and I can see what they're doing and they're actually trying to work through something. And, and but how, I've seen it help, but how, how have you seen it help? Well, I think the idea was, it, it came to me from um, the Bible it, uh, when I read about how Jesus talked about taking the plank out of your own eyes so that you can see clearly to help your brother with their sin. So I, I really wanted them to start off by looking at their sin and really seeing what they had done to start the conflict. And really after they had done that, they were able to see what they had done and they were able to ask for forgiveness and really um, become more open to um, clearing up the conflict. Uh, we're not really natural born peacemakers as human beings. I had to learn how to be a peacemaker as an adult. So really, it was just a way for us to teach our kids to have healthy peacemaking habits. Yeah, it's great. It's been, they're engaging with it, and rather than you just, or me just saying, hey, get get it together, which, you know, I'm tempted to just say, fix it, <laughs> or just to try to fix it myself rather than teaching them how to fix it. And so that's what I really appreciate about this tool. So thanks. Thanks for sharing, Erica. You know, overall, 
If you're feeling discouraged right now by the reality of life at home, I just encourage you to try, try these attitudes out. Jesus is offering the right mix of attitudes that bring the best at home. And so it's not too late to get started on any of these. And the good news, here's the good news, is the Lord will meet you right where you are. And we have a few uh, next steps that we want to encourage you to take a look at. The first one is just to memorize uh, one of the Beatitudes, to focus on, meaning commit one of these verses to memory. And then just begin applying it to your life. And second, work on another home activity together. Last week we introduced this home activity sheet and uh, take a look at it's on the second page of that sermon, uh, those sermon notes. And you can, uh, you know, it just gives you some more ways to buy up this time as you're, as you're sheltering, sheltering in home. And, um, you know, share those photos on our, on our church Instagram. Uh, just so others can see some of the things that you're doing in this time. And so, uh, thanks for joining us, and, and let's pray. Father, uh, we just ask, God, that you would give us the help to to know uh, where to put the focus on applying your word to our life, Lord. I pray for each family, each individual that's watching. I, I ask for your comfort and your help in this time. I pray against... Um, worry right now and fear right now and frustration uh, I pray uh, that you would give us you'd grant us help through the power of your Holy Spirit to endure through a very very difficult season of life uh, we're looking to you God and we just ask you for help and we thank you for your constant presence and care in Jesus name Amen <laughs>